0: Um, and i actually i 'm really excited to to share with you guys this morning because i God has been putting something on my heart um, and I hope it it makes sense to you I, w- I want to tell you before we get started that this isn't this isn 't a judgmental or a, you know, me looking that, that we 're better than anyone or i 'm better than someone or someone 's better than us this is just and you know this wasn 't something bill gave me this is something that God had put on my heart and Um, I hope it's something that that maybe comes home, hits home to you guys, and uh, really challenges us from a a point of being disciples of Christ. You know, each person that that said yes to Jesus, that's that's, that's been the call on your life, is that uh, you are now his disciple. And, you know, Betty shared last week about um, consumer Christians and she showed a, a graph. I don't know if we can put it up. we have it? All right. So I don't know if you, she was really proud of this. She, if You guys were here last week. She said she worked on it for like two or three hours. And she got her nice graph tears that, that, that we could use as a visual this morning because I didn't do a PowerPoint. Um, you know, I felt like there's a couple other things I have that I want to share with you guys. But just to kind of lay out what this means, she was talking about a consumer, being a consumer Christian, and really, in the simple term, what that is is, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? I'm going to go to church because I want what's what's in it for me. Is they have a good home group session? Do they have a great children's ministry? Do they have a great worship team? What's in it for me? Huh? Potluck dinner, you know. I got to eat. And I like to eat. So anyway, so she called the the black line, which is in the middle, the consumer Christians. You guys remember that? So below, really, she was talking about maybe Christians that are immature in their faith. And so what they do is they go from crisis to crisis to crisis. But they never make it above that consumer line. They never make it above that. So... For, for today, we're going to call those a crisis Christians. They live in crisis constantly. They don't live in the freedom and the power and the authority that Jesus gave. They, they constantly go from one struggle to another to another, but never take on the full. If you look above the black line and you look at the green line here, those are the disciples. And if you see, they have ups and downs, they have trials and tribulations, but they never, they never come to this point of oh, what's in it for me. And they never come down here where it's just one crisis after another that brings them back just to the point of what's in it for me, that consumer Christianism. So that's, that's kind of what she talked about last week. And then I kind of wanted to build off of that um, this morning. Uh, Matthew 19:16 through 22. That, and I've got a lot of scripture. And sometimes it goes really well when I do and sometimes it doesn't because I don't want to just read off a page to you guys. But, you know, there's, there's life in the word of God. You need to know that. And so when, when you hear these words, hear them as God speaking to you, speaking to your heart and to your, uh, your mind and your soul, and it brings life. The word of God will bring life. Uh, and Matthew nineteen sixteen says this, uh, 19, 16 through 22, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me uh, about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, uh, you shall not uh, give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Piece of cake, right? We all do that. We can all do that every day. Uh, and, the, and the guy says, Man, I've done all these things. I've kept all of those. I got it. I'm good. The young man said. And he said, So what do I still lack? So Jesus said, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. So his question to Jesus If you go back to 16, was teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So today, we've talked about uh, being a crisis Christian, immature Christian. We've talked about consumer Christians. We've talked about being a disciple. I want to talk today about being a good Christian, the good Christian. And my guess is if if you've been in the church long enough, you've met a lot of good people. Just good people. You know, people that uh, are are just generally good by their own nature. Uh, They go to church. You see them there every Sunday. They give money to the church. They may even serve at your church. They may be on the worship team. They may work in the nursery, may make coffee for people, run the media. Uh, they may get involved in outre- outreach opportunities to go out and reach out to the poor. They may pray for others. And uh, they, they may be good family people, support their families, take care of their responsibilities. If, uh, you know, and, and I grew up in that era that, you know, if you're, you're not a man unless you... Take care of the responsibilities that have been put upon you. No matter what sacrifices you make, you make those because that's what men do. That's what we do. So we support our families. And so it makes, makes me a good man. It makes me a good man. And I do. I fall in the category of all those things I just talked about. So I would look at you today and I'd tell you that I'm a good Christian And I would venture to say that uh, most people in the Western church hold, hold what I just talked about as the standard of being a good Christian. Those are the things that people look at. If they were going to look at your life and they were going to come into this church and they wanted to know, does this guy know God? Those are the things they're going to look at. And you know why? Because that's what we taught them. That's what we've taught our community and our society. That if you do these things, you're going to be a good Christian. The guy that I just read about kept all the commandments. And I don't think there was one person in here that said that they had done that. What did Jesus say? It's, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. We, we, uh, we have to take on some ownership of um, be, leading people away from the truth. Uh, leading people away from the truth. I uh, want to show you real quick before we get into this. Um, oh, there's a video. Uh, can we do that first video I have? The foundation, Beyond Belief video. Is that going to come up? Let's see if we have that real quick, guys. About, about four minutes or so. Okay, yeah, Here we go.
1: Central Daylight Time for Northwestern McLean, Southern Oklahoma and Northern Cleveland Counties. This is a tornado emergency for Moore in South Oklahoma City at 3.08 p.m. Central Daylight Time. National Weather Service meteorologists and storm spotters were tracking a large and extremely dangerous tornado located four miles west of Moore. Okay. Hi. All right, it's on. So I'm Rebecca Hutzman. I came out from Seattle, Washington. Um, I am the team leader for this particular deployment. Uh, We're in Columbia, South Carolina working uh, after the flood in 2015 on the rebuilding efforts and today we're doing mold remediation. I'm I'm actually an atheist. So you are alright? team, everybody worked hard, everybody did their best, and you could tell, and our uh, partner organization, St. Bernard Project, could tell, and they were like, if you need a reference, tell them. (laughs) I I couldn't be more happy with how it went, and I'm going to be smiling for so long. (laughs) I'm going to be smiling, you know for days and weeks and then I'll be craving to do it again and then I'll get the chance to because okay so we've been working and working and working because it wasn't ready wasn't ready wasn't ready and then now we jumped out and it was supposed to be a test to see how bad it went and then the thought was well if it goes really badly um, then we'll just work harder and we'll try again but it didn't go really badly it went beautifully and we have a lot of you know I have a notebook full of things that can make it even better. But it wasn't like failures, it was just these little tiny little twinge things and items to add to the checklist. I mean, these are just small changes to make to the program and to walk away that successful is awesome. (laughs) So happy because that means that our next deployment can be sooner than if we had to do a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. It's wonderful. It was an amazing experience. It was as awesome as I thought it could be. So I can't wait for the next one. (laughs) And I'll see you there.
0: She does good things. We do a lot of those things, don't we? the church, do a lot of those things. What makes us different? What makes us different? What what does the world see that we do that this wonderful girl, great smile, great personality, that doesn't have faith that God exists? I, there may be maybe uh, uh, I hate to say this, but you need to ask yourself what's different about you and I need to ask myself what's different about me I'm standing in line yesterday at well okay I'll start from the beginning i get I get this idea this week that I'm going to build a, a fire pit in my backyard so and most, if, most of you people that know me well know that I am not a handy guy at all. It's just, just, just not me. I'm a worker, and I'll, I'll work hard until my back hurts and I can't walk for a week. But to be able to put, put it together and do the work, um, that's just not me. So I, I get this pit and had it made, and it's kind of cool. It looks like it has a Jeep grill with lights on it. It looks kind of like a Jeep. Um, the front end of a Jeep, and, and uh, so I pick it up in Houston, and I take it home. I'm proud of it, and I put it together, and of course, it doesn't look anything like I thought it was going to look like, and I thought, well, okay, but I'm still moving forward, so we, we put it up on our, we have a patio out back that uh, is flagstone, and it's not the prettiest thing in the world, so I treat all the weeds and kill all the weeds, and, and I decide, and I put flagstone border on the outside, and I go to Lowe's, and I get everything I need. And I come back home. This is yesterday morning. And I have two strong boys, but I'm, I'm doing this by myself. So I, I really wanted to do it. I wanted the satisfaction of knowing that I, I did this. And uh, so I buy chairs, and I buy the rock, and you know, this Colorado River rock and stuff. And I go, I go back and unload everything and start working. Well, I'm, I got half the amount of rock that I need. So I think okay, I go back to Lowe's, right? So I go back to Lowe's. I get another, you know, bunch of rock and go back to the house. I lay it all out, and, um, uh, and I'm doing good. I'm, I'm in a good good place. So <laughs> I go get the chairs. Kim had washed the chairs down because they'd been outside and had dirt and stuff on them, and I go to get one and put in, and one of the chairs that I bought is cracked. And I'm like, well, he can't. I can't sit in that. You know, that chair is barely going to do good holding me like this. With a crack in it, it'll never make it. So I go back to Lowe's. Well, this time I, have, I can't just go buy another chair. i got to go exchange the chair that I bought. So I go to customer service, and the line is literally outside the front door. I've got one chair. I'm parked in front of where the chairs are stacked, and I've got this line that's ahead of me, and I'm thinking, and my wife, I didn't share this with her yesterday, and I am thinking, there's no way, there's no way I can make it. There's no way I can make it through this line. There's no way. And I'm standing there, and, and I'm looking, and I'm just, I'm reminding myself, okay, God. I, I'm really, I, I try, I try really good, because I am a very impatient person. And uh, my stand, keeps falling down. Now I'm gonna come up. Uh, anyways, I'm standing there, and then I'm right by the Christmas stuff, right? So as as this is going through my mind and I'm fighting with myself on the inside, I'm hearing, you know, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king in the background, you know. The music's going. And I'm singing the song in my head. And then so, like, this part of me is like, yeah, yeah. And this part of me is like, no, you, you can't stand here much longer. You're not going to make it. And I'm just, like, fighting. And I'm like, Did, is, that, is that really? That, that really is me. I mean, that's really me to, a, to the core in my life. And I, and I thought, I'm going to make it. And I, and I did. I made it all the way to the front. It took me 30 minutes to get to that desk. To, to give them a chair that took me literally two minutes to go out and grab another one and throw it back in my truck and leave. And I, and I just, you know, I was patient. And I was trusting uh, in Jesus. And, um, and, it, and it went well. It went well for me. So... You know, but it it, it was a reminder of how much, what does make me different. And the only thing that will make us different from the world is our relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been talking about the gospel message. It is not about coming to church. It's not about um, being a good person. The world is full of good people. Being, being a follower in Jesus Christ means so much more than that. It's what the Bible says about it. The Bible says, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to go a little slower, so if you want to write down, I don't know if you write down the scripture or not, but uh, Matthew 16, 24 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Sounds familiar what he told the other guy, huh? Sell all your stuff, come follow me. First Peter four two. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Did you hear that? No longer for the lust of men, but you live for the very will of God. When you're out remediating a home like the young lady and and all of those people that you saw doing, there's only one goal behind that. You know what that is? That they may come to know the same Savior, the same uh, God that we serve because we know there's no amount of work that we can do. There's nothing that we can do that's going to change their life and transform them without Jesus being involved in that. It's just a good deed. It's really, that's it. It's just a good deed. That's probably my phone ringing over there, I would imagine. So anyways, Um, 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this. He died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. You hear that? Galatians uh, 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. What did we do this morning? We took communion, didn't we? Christ's body was broken and his blood was shed for us. And we remembered that. We remembered that we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And, and the last one I want to share with you guys is Philippians 3, 7, 8. But whatever things we, were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. Whatever things were gained to me, those I have counted as loss. That's what makes us different. We don't do this for us. We do this for him. We do this for Jesus. Because when we said yes, it was no longer okay to be good. It was no longer okay to be good. Because, you know, Jesus called us to be so much more than that. He called us, he called us to be so much more than good. Um, we... Um, I was, I was going to pull this out. I, was, I, got, I got a Bible and I got a wallet. Which one of these do you serve? Which one? Which one is going to give you what you need to make it through to tomorrow? But my lights are going to be shut off. But I'm going to be evicted. I didn't pay my rent. For three months, they're going to take my car. I got no food in the house, and I have three kids. Which one am I going to serve? Which one holds more value to me? Most people pick this, don't they? Hey, I pick this a lot of times. I pick this a lot of times. What makes me different? In the world. I'm gonna tell you what Jesus said. You're not gonna be good, you're gonna be holy, and you're gonna be blameless. God's people are gonna be holy and blameless. So if good is here, where's holy? I don't wanna to go too high, my shirt will go up, but it's way up there, right? It's up there. This is what he says in Colossians 21 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. So we are holy and blameless through the very blood that we will remember this morning that Jesus shed for us to bring this back into relationship. Let's see. What else does he say? Did you know that you are righteous? We don't even use words like that. We're like, what does that mean, right? To be right. It sounds like a pretty, when, when you compare it to good, right? It just sounds like it's up there, right? Uh, so it says this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him Uh, Who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. That we, God's people, might be the righteousness of God. You're righteous through Jesus. And here's the coup de grace. Did you know that you were heirs in the kingdom of God and in his glory? Romans eight seventeen NIV says this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. That's the word of God. <laughs> this morning, I just feel like there's a challenge that we're not called to be a good Christians. I don't even like the term because we've, we've done it injustice of what it means to be someone who um, truly loves God and be, and be in relationship with Jesus Christ and allow that to affect who we become and who we are, not by what we do, not by the things that we say, but by the power that God has given us through Jesus Christ to move in the authority, you'll hear it all the time. Bill is, I promise you right now, Bill is in Mexico, and he's probably praying for somebody. They may be sick. They may need a job. They may need something. And he doesn't give them encouraging words. He gives them truth. And if God says, give them 100 bucks, he may give them 100 bucks because God said to do it. He said that we will do his will, not our will. That's what he's doing. That's what we get to do every day. And every time I preach or teach or talk, whatever I'm doing today up here, and you guys can determine whatever that is, I always go back to the question of why are you here? Why, why are you in this building? Why are you... Is there something that, that gathering with people... And just, it just makes you feel good? Or, or is there something more that you, that you want out of this? Is there something more that, that you want? When we worship, what do you want from God? Because you know what? He wants you to tell him. Don't let this be a waste of your time. Don't go through life being a good Christian, doing the right things and the good things and thinking that that's enough. Because it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. God has called us to be so much more than good. He's called us to be holy and blameless and righteous. And heirs to his kingdom and his glory. We are the very glory of God. The fact that we live and we breathe. Reflect the glory of our creator. So. This whole series has been about the gospel message. I found something I really liked about the gospel message, and I want to show it to you guys. So, got our second video? I think we got it. We, we came prepared today. The Life in Six Words. It's the full
2: story of life crushed into four minutes. The entirety of humanity in the palm of your hand, crushed into one sentence. Listen, it's intense, right? God, our sins, paying everyone life. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told, God. Yes, God the maker and giver of life, and by life I mean any and all manner and substance, seen and unseen, what can and can't be touched, thoughts, image, emotions, love, atoms, and oceans, God. All of it is handiwork, one of which is masterpiece, made so uniquely that angels look curiously. The one thing in creation that was made with his imagery, the concept so cold, it's the reason I stay bold, how God breathed in a man and he became a living soul. Formed with the intent of being infinitely, intimately fond Creator and creation held an eternal bond And it was placed in perfect paradise till something went wrong A species got deceived and started lusting for his job and odd list of complaints as if the system ain't working And used that same breath he graciously gave us to curse him And that sin seed spread through our soul's genome And by nature of your nature your species, you participated in the mutiny. Our, yes, our sins. It's nature inherited. Black in the human heart, it was over before it started. Deceived from day one and led away by our own lust. There's not a religion in the world that doesn't agree that something's wrong with us. The question is, what is it and how do we fix it? Are we eternally separated from a God that may or may not have existed? But that's another subject. Let's keep grinding. Besides trying to prove God is like defending a lion, homie. It'll need your help. Just unlock the cage. Let's move on on how our debt can be paid. Short and sweet. The problem is sin. Yes, sin, it's a cancer, an asthma, choking out our life force, forcing separation from a perfect and holy God and the only way to get back is to get back to perfection. But silly us, trying to pass the course of life without referring to a syllabus. This is us, keep up your good deeds, chant, pray, (laughs) meditate. But all of that of course is spraying cologne on a corpse or you could choose to ignore it as if something don't stink. It's like stepping in dog poop and refusing to wipe your shoe, but all of that ends with how good is good enough. Take your silly list of good deeds and line them up against perfection, good luck. That's life patch to pay grade. The cost of your soul, you ain't got a big enough piggy bank, but you could give it a shot. But I suggest you throw away the list because even your good acts are an extension of your selfishness. But here's where it gets interesting. I hope you're closely listening. Please don't get it twisted. It's what makes our faith unique. Here's what God says is part A of the gospel. You can't fix yourself. Quit trying. It's impossible. Sin brings death give God his breath back you owe him eternally separated and the only way to fix it is someone die in your place and that someone gotta be perfect or the payment ain't permanent so if and when you find a perfect person get him or her to willingly trade their perfection for your sin and death in clearly since the only one that can meet God's criteria is God God sent himself as Jesus to pay the cost for us his righteousness his death functions as payment. Yes, payment. Wrote a check with his life, but at the resurrection, we all cheered, because that means the check cleared. Pierced feet, pierced hands, blood son of man, fullness, forgiveness, free passage into the promised land. That same breath that God breathed into us, God gave up to redeem us. And anyone and everyone, and by everyone, I mean everyone, who puts their faith and trust in him and him alone can stand in full confidence of God's forgiveness. And here's what the promise is, that you are guaranteed full access to return to perfect unity by simply believing in Christ and Christ alone. You are receiving life. Yes, life. This is the gospel. God, our sins, paying everyone
0: life. The gospel message. Four minutes. That's probably above us old people. That's more the young, how the young people would lay it down. Uh, You got it? I like to hear that. I like it. I like it. So Matthew 28, Jesus says this. Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge. God, oh, this is, this, let, me, let me set this up. So you got it. And uh, the gospel message is about accepting what, what God did for us uh, when we were separated from him. When sin came into the world, and and that God made it right uh, through His Son Jesus. And it's just what it comes down to. And believing is where, where it starts, but it's not where it ends. It's not where it ends. It's not where it ends. It's where it starts. When you give up your life, when you die, when you're baptized, It's a symbol of, of dying to this world and, and coming up anew. It's why we do it. It's why we do it. It's Not because it's been done for 2,000 years. It's not why we do that. It's not just tradition. There's actually something behind it for you. It symbolizes something for you and for me. That Jesus is more than me. Jesus is what I needed to make my life right. To bring me into relationship with a God that I didn't know. And so in Matthew 28. So now that I know this, what do I do with it? I've got the crisis Christians. I've got the consumer Christians. And I have the disciples. And I'm going to tell you, this is what Jesus says. Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge... God authorized and commanded me to commission you and you and you and you and you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practices of all I have commanded you. I will be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up until the end of the age. So, now that you've said yes, guys, we have work to do. We have work to do. We're not looking to be a consumer Christian, a crisis Christian, or even a good Christian. We are now disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what you are. You're a disciple. You may be a young one that's learning. And you're going to make mistakes. We all made mistakes. But God is enough to cover our mistakes. And God will teach us together. And, And when we show up here We we have an understanding. I want you guys to know you have an understanding when you're in this place that we are about doing what the Father is doing. So if God gives you a word or you feel like there's something for somebody here, you you have the freedom to express that and come up and be a part of what God is doing here. This This isn't the Jeff show or the Bill show or the Vineyard show. This is God's show. This is what God's doing in this place. And we're going to do this to the end of our lives or the end of the age, whichever comes first. That's what Jesus said to do. It's a challenge. But when when you serve this, you you deserve, you serve the God that, that breathed life into into this, to his son who breathed life into us. Then you're gonna do those things. Here's what it says in Matthew seven twenty one. Why don't you guys stand up? I don't I don't want to tear down. Um, good deeds those, those things are they're so uh, needed by our world and they need to see love and they need to see compassion, they need to see kindness but those are things that the Holy Spirit give us to go out and reach people for Him and, and the things and when we serve, we serve for Him when I play guitar, I play guitar for him. When Christina makes coffee, she makes coffee for God, whether she knows it or not. I know you think it's for you, but it's really for him. Because if it's not, here's what you got. Here's what you got at the end of your life. Matthew seven twenty one twenty three 23 says this. Knowing the correct password saying, master, master, for instance and this is in the message, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? This is Jesus. You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. If it's not about a relationship with Jesus, then you're no different than the young lady that we saw. And I'm no different than those that don't have faith. And I want you to take a really hard look at where you're at. And, and I'm looking at where I'm at. And I'm questioning myself. Because I, I do all of those things. Maybe not bash the demons yet, but <laughs> who knows? Uh, God has things for me. I have the ability to do that. But I preach the message. I've been involved in several God-sponsored projects. we do it, done it for 15 years at the Vineyard. Did I miss the boat? Am I going to go through this whole life, are you going to go through this whole life, being a good person and being a good Christian and miss the whole reason why we exist, to be the extension of the glory of of our Father? You know, I, I really think that this is what God is doing today. You know, it's, it's, it's taking the gospel message from here, from, from this book, and, and now it's rooted in your heart. And it's taking it from there, and it's taking it out. It's, it's breathing life into the message of the gospel. And the life that he chooses is your life. And actually, it's vice versa. You chose his life if you said yes, but he's using you to do it. And he's using me to do it.